Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about the film The Aviator and we're going to talk about another Marty film uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. This is part of a, a big run that Marty and Leo have had together. Uh, this film is The Departed. Um, if you haven't seen The Departed, um, my question to you is what are you doing with your life? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, although I do really like this film quite a lot. This is right up there with, with uh, films like uh, Casino, uh, Goodfellas, um, you know, uh, films that are very, very entertaining. They're crime films, um, you know, dealing with organized crimes. This is one of my favorite Scorsese films. Um, so The Departed is uh, inspired by a Hong Kong film called Infernal Affairs. It was actually, it actually grew into a trilogy, but The Departed follows two Boston police officers, one a mole, an inside man played by Leo, um, inside the Boston Irish mob helping build a case against the mob, po mob boss played by Jack Nicholson. And the other is a dirty cop played by Matt Damon who keeps the mob boss aware of police activity against him. And these two cops end up having to find each other, but not give away who they are in the process. This film has a lot of heavy hitters. It has Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, Martin Sheen, Alec Baldwin, Vera Farmiga, Vera Farmiga and Ray Winstone, along with a lot of other great role players, uh, great character actors. So I figured this would be a good opportunity to talk about acting and talk about how to direct actors as a film, or how to work with actors as a filmmaker, specifically as a film director. Because Marty has always loved actors. Marty has a great passion for actors. Um, actors that have worked with him, that's one of the first things that they notice about him, is that he really does love actors. There were a lot of actors who didn't feel that way when they worked with Alfred Hitchcock. Um, but Marty really likes actors. And everything I'm pulling today, or, or, or all the quotes I'm going to pull from today, most of the material I'm pulling from today, comes from the book Conversations with Scorsese um, by Richard Schickel. Um, Marty says, and I quote, I was in love with performance from Kazan's films and from Casavetti's Shadows, Shadows and Faces. So I just like to be there when an actor does something that is so powerful, moving, and surprising, whether it's Bob De Niro, Harvey Keitel, Jack Nicholson, Leo DiCaprio, or Kate Blanchett. When she says, I'm leaving to Howard Hughes and the Aviator, look at her eyes when she says that. It was a medium shot. I didn't have to go in close for that. I was stunned when she did that. It was just the actor, and I just loved it. So obviously, just listening to the way Marty talks about performance, it's pretty clear that he loves actors and loves loves watching people act, which I think has informed the way he has chosen to direct actors. And one of the things that he says is, sometimes I'm almost honored by an actor, Bob De Niro in particular, because we've worked together so often. When he comes up and says, do you think I got there? Do you think I was there? I, you discuss it, you try to guide it, but it's a very fine line. And I learn by mistakes, by saying too much, by not saying enough. And that's one of the things about directing actors. Directing actors is all about communication. It's all about communicating to them basically whether or not you believe their performance. It's about, is that the performance you were going for? Is that the performance you think fits the character, fits the moment, whatever? Um, 
and it is all about communicating and sometimes you can say too much and sometimes you can say not enough and you have to kind of find the line there with the actors with how to communicate with them the best the best ways of directing them there's all kinds of ways people have come up with figuring out how to direct actors there was uh, uh, so when when I took a directing class there were five basic methods we were taught one of them was to always give verbs you give the actor something to do and that's a good way to communicate to them so instead of saying I want you to be sad you might find a verb there you might find a verb that says um, you might tell them to sink into their chair because depending on how they take that they might sink into their chair when an actor tells them like say the other actor tells them that their mother has cancer and that that actor sinks into their chair well that sinking into the chair is gonna that that action can help bring about the necessary emotions for the actors and gives them something to do to communicate how they're feeling without saying something um sometimes sometimes it can be good to use uh use metaphors you know you might tell an actor to do this one like you're drowning and that'll give them a you know some that 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 might communicate to them something to do some some choices that they can make what what i so in a in a short film that i did um i had two primary actors and i found out in in our actually in the audition process because one of the things that i was always taught to do in auditions is to give the actors different directions and just see if they make a choice not necessarily as a choice you want them to make but just see if it changes their performance at all see if they can take direction especially when you're working in a smaller area like Boise Idaho where not every actor is uh, maybe who you want to invest your time in so there's a lot of hobbyists in, in in smaller towns I find and sometimes you need something more than a hobbyist not that I've had that happen with me actually I uh, every actor I've worked with has been wonderful in Boise that's not the point but what I found out is that if with one of the actors, I needed to give him verbs, and the other one would respond more to to those kind of analogies or metaphors. They, he would respond better that way. The other one um, sometimes needed something more concrete, like a verb. So there's just it's it's a lot of trial and error, like Marty said, and you learn by mistakes. You know, that's that's how you always learn. You you don't know what you don't know, and so it's best to just keep trying and keep doing it. And you're going to mess up. You just have to somehow get everything back on the tracks. Now, Marty also says one more thing about, well, he says a couple more things. One of the other things he says is that he says, I don't come with any preconceived notions. Meaning when he gets on the set, he's willing to let the actor do whatever it is they want to do and let them kind of find the moment. And he'll kind of guide them as necessary, as he said. But... He doesn't come on the set knowing this is the performance I'm looking for and nothing else will do. He lets the actor do their job, which personally I, I think is a great way as a leader of any kind to go into um, to go into any undertaking where you're delegating tasks and you have different craftspeople there who bring their own craft to the table. So I think that's a really good 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 advice from Marty. Now, that may work for him, that may not work for you, but for him, granted, he's also working with Academy Award-winning actors on a regular basis, so there's that. Um, but I think 
I think sometimes that might be necessary. Even just come to the rehearsal without any preconceived notions. You know, if you have time to do the rehearsing, just do that without any preconceived notions. Let the actor see what they bring to the table. And then between the two of you, you can collaborate and maybe find it. And that's what Marty says about about him and Jack Nicholson on this movie. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about just him and Jack Nicholson because a lot of good stories come out of that. Marty says it was extremely collaborative. I'm talking about the work with him and Jack Nicholson. He said, for instance, he had a little beard and he said, should I shave this? Do you mind or should I keep it? And I said, keep it on. And once I made the comment about the beard, it sort of set him free, which is also good to know. Sometimes it's the little things that are going to release your actor into whatever it is they need to do or whatever it is they feel they should do for the project. The interesting thing about that is, though, Jack Nicholson's very unpredictable. He could do anything during a take. You, you never know what you're going to get. A lot of directors like to work with actors who can repeat themselves, who can do the same performance again and again and again. Jack Nicholson doesn't work that way. Jack Nicholson acts very in the moment, very spontaneously, and just makes choices. He's constantly swinging for the fences. But remember, Marty doesn't come to the set with any preconceived notions. And so Marty would just let him do whatever it was he wanted to do. And in the process, still try to figure out a way to hold on to the movie. Now, this is a dangerous line. Marty says, Marty says when working with an actor like that, it's always a battle. Sometimes a picture gets away from you and sometimes it doesn't. What I felt about the first four weeks of shooting The Departed was that it was not going smoothly. It was not going as planned. I knew Jack was bringing in new stuff because we had been working on it before I started shooting. So I was very interested to see what was going to happen when we got to his scenes. But I do like to take chances, although it can be nerve-wracking. This is not a style of filmmaking for everybody. Marty did this before, as you may or may not remember, in the film New York, New York, with Bob De Niro and Eliza... Um, and, and, and Liza Minnelli. Everything was improv. It was all improvised. And he ended up, they, they would end up improvising their way out of the scene into a whole new scene that wasn't in the script. And so they'd have to go build a new set just for that scene and then have to figure out their way back into the movie. This can be difficult. This isn't necessarily recommended, but sometimes it can work. The trick is, as Marty says, sometimes a picture gets away from you and sometimes it doesn't. You as the filmmaker have to hold on to the movie. You need to make sure that whatever happens on set is still going to work in the greater context. You have to find a way to rein it in sometimes, but without without giving freedom or, or, or without sacrificing your actor's freedom if this is the way you're going to do it. It's not always easy, but it can be done. And Marty says this, he says, there was nothing wrong with taking chances, trying different things, as long as we had the time. And that's sometimes the key element too. The longer a project goes on, the more money it costs, you know, and, 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 and that can grow exponentially because you're not only having to pay for everybody's time on set, but now you're also paying, paying in post-production because now there's more footage to go through. There's more options that you have. There's more ways to experiment there. So it can be done, but you have to be careful as the filmmaker not to get lost looking at the trees. You have to be able to see the whole forest. You have to be able to see the movie from beginning to end. You have to have a vision for it. You have to have an understanding of what the story is and how maybe maybe an improvised moment here can work when an improvised moment there won't. But 
you know, take two can be blended with take seven and we can kind of get it back on tracks in the edit or what have you. But the advantage of this is sometimes your actors come up with something really, really good. Now I'm going to read straight from the book here. Marty says this in conversations with Scorsese. He says, eventually it led to the scene with Leo and him at the table, him being Jack Nicholson. We did five takes in one day, two cameras simultaneously, pretty much as written. That night I said to Jack, you know, we have the setup for the next day. We have the camera. I just don't see shooting tracking shots of Leo coming in and exterior shots. It's just about you two. I told Jack, anything you can think of, come in and we'll do a couple of takes tomorrow and that'll be it. And then you can go home. So that morning I was walking to the set and the street was alive. There were all these people rushing around and it was a hot, hot day. All of a sudden, someone comes up next to me and says, I've got ideas. I've got ideas. It was Jack. And that became the scene you see in the movie where basically he does the sniffing of the brandy and he sniffs at Leo and he says, I smell a rat. Then he uses the gun on Leo without Leo knowing and without me knowing. I didn't know whether he was going to fire or not. Even if you use blanks, it's very dangerous and I didn't quite know what was going to happen. That kind of thing leads to a different level of reality. When he pulls a gun like that, you see Leo's face and you know that's the candid reaction. Nothing's edited, nothing's cut out. I didn't know where the scene was going to go next because Leo was the rat and he had to get out of that room. But how is he going to do it? I was holding my breath. Then he does it. He convinces Jack. Jack, as an actor, felt at a certain point Leo's desperation, seeing it in his eyes and the way he asks him, you know, Frank, how many, guy, how many guys around you want to plug you? It got Jack back on the rails again. That's what's very interesting to me, being in a situation where I don't know what's, what was going to happen. So let me set the scene for you in case you haven't seen the movie. I should have done that beforehand, but that's okay. So there's a scene where Jack Nicholson's character knows that there is a rat in his crew. There's a mole in his crew. There's someone working with or for the police department, Boston PD. Actually, I think it's the Stadies. Either way, whatever. Um, working with the cops in his crew, but he doesn't know who it is, and it's Leo. That's who it is. So Jack pulls Leo into, into a restaurant, sits him down at the table, sniffs some brandy, sniffs at Leo, and says, I smell a rat. And immediately, everyone in the room is terrified, or at least immediately everyone in the audience is terrified that Jack knows it's Leo. And that business about sniffing the brandy and sniffing at him, that was all fake. That w or, or that was all improvised. That was all something Jack came in that day with that he thought would be a good idea. And the reason he had the freedom to do that was because Marty gave him the freedom to do that. They, they shot another two takes that they weren't going to shoot on another day just to allow Jack to do that. And then he pulls out a gun that nobody, at least at least nobody in the scene knew he had. Marty didn't know he had it. I would hope that he went to the to the armorer and to the prop department and got it cleared and everything. I mean, I hope that's what he did. I don't know. He didn't, you know, and now nobody knows what's going to happen. <laughs> and then Leo has to, has to, now feeling some, probably some real desperation and anxiety because he doesn't know, he doesn't know if the gun's got blanks in it. He doesn't know what's going on. He, like, nobody told him this was happening. Now, he actually has to convince Jack and get him back on the rails again. That whole scene is created all from Jack's mind. 
all from Nicholson's mind, because Marty gave him the freedom to do that. There's another smaller smaller um, example where Marty says, Jack starts seeing, and so there's another scene. There's another scene in the movie where Jack's just kind of talking to his, his, his right-hand man. And then we cut to two, um, uh, two bodies that, that, or two people that Jack, Jack Nicholson's character had ordered to be killed. That's, that's what we see now. This is the story behind that scene. Jack starts singing Mother McCree. And I thought it was too much. That's on the set. But then in the editing, I said, why don't we cut from Mother McCree, which gives this wonderful end of the line filled with energy, and then cut to the two bodies of the people he had gotten killed. So Jack did something on the set that didn't that Marty didn't feel worked, but he found out later in the edit that it really did. And that's the other advantage, is you can really let your actors do anything on set, because it doesn't matter. Because if you don't want it, you don't have to use it. But you might find out that there was something on the set that actually worked better in post once you cut from one thing to another. And again, that's all about giving your actors freedom, which can be dangerous if you let the movie go off the rails. But when utilized correctly, it can really add a whole other level that you as a filmmaker couldn't have anticipated. So that's Marty talking about working with actors. Um... That's all we have for this class session. Um, in a couple weeks, we'll talk about Shutter Island, and then later we'll do Hugo, and then we're going to do Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. And then the last one we're going to do is Silence. So we only have four more class sessions left. We've got about two months more of class uh, before we're going to uh, end the semester, go on a, on a, on a quick hiatus, and then we're going to come back. Um, it looks like right now, when we come back, we're going to talk about Quentin Tarantino, and we're also going to pair that with Robert Rodriguez because both of those those filmmakers have um, smaller um, smaller filmographies, uh, especially Tarantino. Rodriguez has a whole lot more, but I'm afraid that if we do everything he talked about, then we're going to end up uh, repeating ourselves quite a bit. So I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's this week or or that's this class session. Um, if you like what you've been hearing, please give us a comment, a like, a review of some kind, uh, wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. If you'd like to reach out to the podcast, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, you can uh, email the podcast. Email address is hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, just Hitchcock University, and on Twitter, Hitch underscore U as in university. Uh, thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. I've been Taylor Bickle. We'll talk to you again in two weeks.